Welcome back to Conversations for the Good. Good morning, Dr. Jane. I hope you're having a great week. It's been a good week, Anna. It's always good to be together, though. It certainly is. In previous episodes, we've discussed relationships and pointed to the importance of healthy boundaries. Our last conversation was specifically about self-care. Let's deepen into the what and how of healthy boundaries and why they are essential in self-care. Sure, Anna. You know, boundaries are the healthy rules and the healthy limits and expectations that we set up within our interpersonal relationships, whether those relationships, you know, are with family or friends, could be with coworkers, our love relationships. Boundaries allow us to feel safe. Um, they also help us balance our stress more efficiently, more effectively. And healthy boundaries also give us a sense of control over our uh, personal space, over our bodies, our feelings, our possessions, and also control over our time and energy. So with healthy boundaries, we're impacting our self-esteem and our self-confidence, our overall health, because we're making ourselves a priority. And it's not about controlling others. It's really about taking care of ourselves with self-compassion, self-respect, and also self-acceptance. You frame boundaries in such a loving and life-giving way. Yet so often boundaries arise out of frustration, anger, and guilt. What is that? Well, boundaries are the cues that we give others about how to treat us and in turn how we're going to treat others. And many times the cues really aren't expressed openly or clearly or even truthfully. And, and sometimes, Anna, think about it. I mean, we assume that, that others know what we need before we even ask them. Or if we have communicated our wants and needs, you know, we, we think that we shouldn't have to keep telling them, you know, and all these scenarios can trigger, you know, frustration and anger and sometimes resentments. You know, and as you may have already guessed, the whole pattern of setting boundaries or not setting boundaries starts early, you know, in the holding environment of the first four years of life. So it's our family history. It's our uh, experiences with church and school, uh, our neighborhood, you know, the friends that we had, you know, it really includes, you know, what was communicated implicitly and explicitly, you know, what we were taught and also what was modeled. Yes, it seems like it's the whole backstory, the beliefs, the conditioning. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and think about, let's think about our own family dynamics, you know, and ask a few questions. You know, were communications uh, open about what the limits were, what boundaries were? Were they spoken or unspoken? Uh, were you able to express your needs? You know, were others receptive to your needs? You know, what was happening in the family that really supported and respected healthy limits? You know, what hindered it? You know, also, you know, were there addiction issues or maybe mental health issues? You know, what was the conflict like in the family? How was it addressed and handled? You know, how were things communicated? How were issues, you know, serious issues or uncomfortable issues? I mean, how were they communicated? You know, and the other thing is our individual personalities also play into how tuned in we are to our needs and our wants and also how comfortable we are with setting and enforcing healthy boundaries and limits. You know, how receptive are we to other people's limits? 
You know, this all took place early on. And, and more anxious personalities tend to be more reactive, as do personalities that are rigid and a little more disagreeable, especially when challenged. So the more open, the more receptive, the more we can access our self-compassion mm -hmm. and our emotional intelligence, really the more likely we'll be to set and enforce healthy boundaries and respect other people's boundaries as well. Well, how do we know that we need to set boundaries and what prevents us from setting the limits? Well, we've all been there, Anna. You know, a, a clear signs that boundaries are needed certainly show up when we have no time for ourselves. We've all been there, uh, feeling burned out, feeling overwhelmed. Um, sometimes when we feel unappreciated, you know, that's a real sign that, that we're overloaded. Avoiding interactions that we really enjoy, social interactions. You know, we're so overwhelmed or overextended that we're not returning phone calls or texts or, or even social invitations. You know, it's a, that place where, where we just kind of feel fed up and resentful. So what stops us from setting boundaries? Well, really a myriad of things. You know, most often it's the fear of the negative reaction that we're going to get if we set up the boundaries or enforce boundaries, whether it's anger or disappointment. So it's really about avoiding conflict. Uh, sometimes there's guilt that maybe I'm going to disappoint someone or they're going to feel abandoned or rejected. Um, sometimes, sometimes we get into this rescuing behavior on and you and I both have talked about this and we know this personally, you know, our pattern of rescuing is you're not okay. And I'm going to help you because I'm going to fix you. And yet we might not have the time and energy to do that. And so we're overwhelmed and overextended. And sometimes it goes unappreciated, you know, but we have this addiction sometimes of being needed, which overshadows our self-care. So it's a way to feel special and important when we're the, we're the rescuer because we get to save the day, but it doesn't work. You know, it doesn't work. Sometimes it's a way that we try to feel loved, but it doesn't work in the long run. Well, these are powerful pulls regarding why boundaries are necessary and such strong pulls to not pursue healthy boundaries. So can you tell me again why healthy boundaries are essential to my self-care? <laughs> I'd be glad to, Anna. I'd be glad to. You know, they're essential to our self-care because they communicate with honor and, in, and integrity, you know, our wants and our needs. You know, it's, it's about ourselves. It's about accepting myself and knowing what I need in order to be my best. So with healthy boundaries, I'm able to define expectations. Um, I'm able to define the roles that I want to be operating out of. Healthy boundaries provide a safety uh, net for us. They provide clear communication about acceptable and unacceptable behaviors. You know, they protect us from overextending ourselves and doing things that either are uncomfortable or really don't, um, don't jive with or congruent with the things that, that are aligned with our beliefs and our values. So healthy boundaries provide a clarity about what we want from others and also how we're going to show up for others. This also sheds light on aspects of unhealthy boundaries and how they show up in relationships. Well, it sure does. You know, and where there are unhealthy boundaries, there's often a, a, a real reluctance 
to communicate our needs and wants. You know, in unhealthy uh, relationships where there are unhealthy boundaries, there's usually a lack of trust in the relationship. And so often, you know, previous attempts to set up boundaries have ended badly. Sometimes the other person may be unavailable, you know, or, or refuse to listen to what we have to say, or, or they don't take our request seriously. Very often we feel emotionally depleted. Very often we feel, you know, tired, angry, disappointed, stressed out. Sometimes we even want to avoid the other person, you know, and, and very often in unhealthy relationships, there, there can be addiction issues or mental health issues. The relationship, if it's unhealthy, boundaries are unhealthy, the relationship can't be mutual and reciprocal. You know, there's really no easy kind of give and take. Sometimes it's, it's mostly take or the other person wants to give us things that we don't really want or need. Or it might be that in our requests for how we want the limits to play out, it might be that the other person refuses, refuses to change their behavior or refuses to, to really allow us to have the boundaries that we need. Well, it seems to me that my boundaries have changed over the years. So how does this fit in into seeking healthy boundaries and self-care? Well, boundaries do change over time, Anna. I mean, we change over time. We evolve, and so do our needs, and so do our wants. We're in different life stages. So hopefully as we mature, we we're able to gain some insight and recognize the importance of being clear in our communication with others and receptive to how others um, are expressing what they want and what they need. And so often boundaries run on a continuum of loose at one end, kind of loose boundaries and uh, healthy boundaries kind of in the middle and then rigid boundaries on the other end. Well, I could see that many of the examples that you cited are on the loose end of the continuum. You know, fear of saying no, fear of being rejected. I'm not sure what I want or how to express it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to appear mean or needy. What else is on this end? Well, there's also, and we've talked about this in previous conversations, people pleasing, you know, which is really abandoning ourselves to accommodate others. You know, our, oftentimes relationships can be very enmeshed, so there's really no separation of individuals within a relationship. There's also codependency, which is that, that feeling responsible in ways for the other person, in, in ways that, that we really prevent them from experiencing the natural consequences of their behavior. Uh, enabling behavior is an example of this, where we don't allow other people to be accountable for their behavior. You know, or sometimes uh, it's about uh, the looseness of providing too much information. We've all had that happen where someone just kind of, just kind of spills out all of their life and all of the, the, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly um, it's like, well, where is this coming from? You know, that too much information. And Carolyn Mace, you know, who's one of our, our favorite, you know, authors, also coined a term called woundology. And she talks about relationships that are, that are really based on connecting almost solely out of the pain, out of our deficits, out of our trauma, you know, out of the past. And it always revolves around this. We never move forward in the relationship. Dr. Jane, what do rigid boundaries look like? Well, rigid boundaries um, usually come across as being very, the individual uh, comes across as being 
very closed off, um, very, very uh, restricted in their uh, rules, very strict in the rules and, and limitations. But also there's a, a certain restriction that, that is sometimes unspoken within the relationship. So sharing is very often unlikely if ever. There's also kind of an edgy, harsh mentality of my way or the highway. With rigid boundaries, there's a lack of emotional intimacy. You really never get to know the person. And sometimes there's a, a lack of emotional intelligence as well. Very often it's a covering up of all vulnerability. And also when someone has rigid boundaries, if even with minor infractions of those boundaries, they will cut us off. You know, or if we're involved in, in very rigid boundaries, we'll cut somebody off for minor infractions, no communication, no negotiation, you're out. And sometimes ghosting is a behavior that shows up. Minor infractions, I disappear. Don't see me again. You know, there are lots of walls, lots of barriers, no explanations. You know, people just don't let us in when the boundaries are very rigid. And somewhere in the middle of that, of the continuum are the healthy boundaries, right? That's right. That's right. And when we land in that healthy range, you know, we're really aware of where we've been, where we've come from, you know, our history, our backstory. And we're also aware of where we are currently, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And this awareness allows us to make very conscious choices with clarity and also the required two-way communication of both expressing my needs, but also listening to others. So there's a real clarity in how our, our values and our opinions and our expectations are expressed. And we're also able to listen to the wants and needs and opinions of others, you know, not just ourselves, but also of others. We're able to say no when it's needed without feeling guilty, are we nagging on it? You know, we're open to what others have to say without defensiveness. And we titrate personal information appropriately because we're making a conscious choice about how to be vulnerable and with whom we want to be vulnerable with. So setting boundaries must be straightforward if you've done the inside job of self-awareness and finding clarity regarding what you want and what you expect. That's right, you know, and, and pretty much um, from there, we're really communicating our wants and our needs, our expectations clearly. And also what's important is that we follow through with behavior that's aligned with our requests because how can we expect others to honor our boundaries if we don't, you know, and when we fail to do this, when we fail to follow up, you know, with the appropriate behaviors that really align with our boundaries, we're not taken seriously. Very often, because no one is accountable, you know, our needs are kind of dismissed or they dissolve, you know, and our overflexibility kind of becomes the status quo of the relationship, which very often leads to not being seen, not being heard, um, and leads to resentment, anger, frustration, and sometimes that distancing because we're not having our needs met. What, what about if, if we get clearly negative response to setting boundaries? Well, and, and Anna, that happens. Uh, and sometimes the requests aren't taken seriously. Um, sometimes 
we don't take others' requests seriously. And some of the typical reactions, negative reactions very often to people setting boundaries or us setting boundaries is that there's resistance, okay? That kind of, you know, just kind of stonewalling, don't want to go there, ignoring or forgetting the requests, questioning the need for why do we have to do this, the defensiveness, this shouldn't be so. Um, also testing the limits. You know, can also we can be met with anger and resentment, silent treatment, sometimes disappearing. It's called ghosting, where it just, all of a sudden, we can't access the other person. They're nowhere to be found. They don't respond to us at all. But then there's also that chance that by setting up clear boundaries, you know, we're met with acceptance and, you know, that's great. We can move forward. And sometimes it's apparent that either we're not willing to participate in the other's request or they're not willing to participate in our requests. And then we have to determine the value and meaning of the relationship. You know, how is this meeting any of my needs? How, you know, how does this fit into my life as I grow and evolve? And sometimes this means restructuring the relationship or letting go of the relationship, unfortunately. Yeah, this is tough with family. Oh my goodness, Anna, yes. Family is notorious for being the most challenging, you know, of relationships, you know, for boundaries, given our history and our conditioning. Um, and sometimes a physical boundary is required. It's necessary. Sometimes we have to limit our time with family or our communication with family or limit the level of sharing with family members. It's a tough call for sure. So we have highlighted various components of boundaries as self-care. It's evident that change is only possible with the conscious choice to communicate what we want, need, and expect, action that implements our boundaries, and consistent follow-up. Much to consider, Dr. Jane. Absolutely. On a nice summary. Nice summary. Yes. I try. <laughs> a lot of helpful information about boundaries as self-care. Thank you, Dr. Jane. Thank until you. our until our next conversation. <laughs>